0: want to turn to Romans chapter 6 here uh, this evening. I was just thinking um, here today, and even um, as I was driving to church and the sun was setting, just what Brother Lamar was saying that as the sun was setting, I was thinking now would have been when they were taking Jesus' body down and preparing it for the tomb, and just uh, what a thought uh, here this evening. Uh, Almost seems like that that should just be it. We could probably just... um, I seek the Lord in prayer now. That way, uh, and that would probably be a, a, as much as we could take here. Uh, but I believe the Lord has something for us. Um, so in Romans chapter six, before we get into that, uh, as well, um, another prayer request um, that Chris brought to me here, uh, real quick before we get into it. So if you want to write that down, um, I believe a relative of a coworker, if I understand correctly, um, William. Uh, is having some issues uh, in the hospital and needs to get to a, a level healthy enough that they can perform surgery um, on him that he's going to need. And so be in prayer for him. You know, I think of those that know the Lord and things are going poor for them health-wise, and you just think, Lord, if it's your will, let him rest. And those that don't know the Lord, I think, God, give them one more day. If it's the worst day of their life, give them one more chance to hear. And so just pray for William that way. Um, here this evening. Romans chapter 6, we'll read the first 11 verses uh, here this evening. It says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid! How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us, as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's open up in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're thankful uh, to be in your house. Thankful uh, even for last night as we uh, um, had the memorial of the Lord's Supper and, and remembered all that uh, goes into that, and uh, as the church was able to have us examine ourselves, and uh, just so thankful for that opportunity to remember your death and what that means for us. Uh, and God, uh, even more looking forward to remembering your resurrection. and Lord, life is available to us, God. And might that be our thought this week? Might it consume us this week to be thinking about the one who died and rose for us? Uh, God, tonight we do ask for your hand on this service that you might uh, speak to us this evening. We love you. We're thankful. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Of course... Um, As you know, if you've been with us, if you haven't, uh, we've been um, in the series uh, titled Forget You, so I like that. I'm just excited about that title um, that way. Uh, And so we started and looked at a little bit about how uh, in the last days and in the apostate Christianity, uh, that's going to be characterized by selfishness. Uh, And then last week we looked at Uh, uh, knowing how much Jesus has sacrificed for us, maybe even tonight thinking about um, that concept of all that went into His uh, 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 death on the cross and His life in service, and all of that, uh, our thoughts, our mindset shouldn't be us, me, my problems. And we're continuing that concept here. And so uh, Romans chapter 6, of course, Uh, um, Romans, if you know how the book begins, and all of what uh, um, Paul is laying out in the book of Romans, uh, Paul lays out mankind's inexcusableness, their condemnation, uh, that not just mankind as a whole, but as individuals have been condemned by their sin. If you remember chapter 1, and as Paul lays these things in here, uh, that uh, not just who we are, but why we are, and all of what we've done, and by our nature, uh, we're condemned, inexcusable. We're born sinners, continued to choose sin. Paul would say against law, against revelation, against our conscience, against common sense, we would be sinners by choice, and that are thus all subject to death under Adam's race. This is all what Paul's Spoken about, and he's and he's laying this all out to lay out condemnation, so we can get to the fact that Christ's death paid for that sin. An amazing concept, and exactly what we're uh, here thinking about. Hopefully, this entire week, uh, that we can be redeemed by uh, from our sin and the consequences of it by grace and faith because of what Jesus did for us. Uh, that we've been justified. Uh, He'll even say words that, uh, uh, like, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And Man, what a wonderful thought that is, as Paul spends chapters laying in really how despicable we are. I mean, he'll go on, I mean, he literally says, you should have been able to look at a tree and know that there was a God in heaven. And you had revelation, you had a conscience, you had law, you had everything, you disobeyed every piece. I mean... The first couple chapters of uh, Romans should just say, you're disgusting. I mean, that's how it should just open up, because that's the idea, that's the concept. There's, we got no excuse that way, and yet then he lays in that Christ, he says, commended his love towards us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, so that his grace could abound in the, even a, in the bounty of our sin. That he would say that no sin, past, present, or future, can mar our standing with God if we've been redeemed by his blood. And he'll use terms like you've been uh, uh, justified or rendered legally righteous. I mean, amidst all of the sin that we would have committed, uh, all of what we did, the fact that we were born sinners, uh, all of what, I mean, if you even think of all of the things that we know we've done wrong, It's beyond uh, belief, and yet there's so much more that you and I probably forgot we ever did. (laughs) That when we did it, we didn't know how terrible and wicked it was at the time. Uh, I mean, just this mountain of sin, and yet we've been rendered not guilty because of Christ. And that that's offered to us because of the great love of God that He's given to us, and uh, that demonstration towards us. And we look at this, and this is all laid out in Romans, first couple chapters. And yet, that's kind of so often, kind of where Christians stop so often right there. That great, you're not condemned, you're not guilty, all is well. And Paul's actually asking this rhetorical question, because he knows what's coming here. He lays this all out and says, You've been so wicked, and yet God has forgiven you. He's loved you anyway, and you're rendered legally righteous, innocent, not guilty. It's good, in other words, because you've called out to him for salvation. And he answers the question that, I mean, he's writing a letter. Nobody's talking to him back, you know. But he's anticipating the next thought, and he says, because we've been rendered legally righteous and God's grace is greater than any sin we could ever commit. And even if we were to sin continuously for the rest of our time here on earth, His grace is still greater than that if we've called out to Him. And He would say this, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He knows the next question. So we don't have to do anything, right? We can just carry on as we've been. I like where this is going. He's anticipating this. And yet, uh, so many Christians, they would never, listen, no Christian would ever say, yeah, I'm I'm continuing in sin that grace may abound, right? None of us would ever say that. Hey, I haven't seen you in church in a while. Yeah, I'm just continuing in sin that grace may abound. (laughs) That's what I'm up to. That's all. None of us would ever say that. And yet, so often, that's, that's really where our lives are. So often that's how we live. So often that's how Christians see themselves, see the scriptures. Um, Their worldview and their anticipation of what God says is really that, uh, yeah, I mess up all the time, but it's really not a big deal because grace abounds. So we don't need to worry too much about it. And Paul says this, God forbid (laughs) that we should continue in sin and spend our lives frustrating the grace of God. Uh, In other passages, he would use uh, the imagery of those that maybe would live in carnal lusts and continue in that. Uh, He might use those that would try to establish their own righteousness with fleshly works in this continuing in sin. That they would just continue in the same selfish, fleshly ways that they've always lived in. And he says, God forbid that we should do that. And we kind of understand this as God forbid that we should offend the God that bought us with his blood. But even further, he would say this, God forbid that we would so misunderstand our position in Christ that we would believe continuing in the same life is even a reasonable thing to do. That's the idea of what's taking place here. That's what we're going to look at a little bit. I want to try to move swiftly, but the idea of what's going into Romans chapter 6 is not just... God forbid we would continue in sin or in the same life or in the same way that we lived before because it offends a holy and righteous God, although that's very true. He's not just saying, God forbid, that we should do that because Christ died for you and you ought to love Him and thus not live that way. The idea here is that, and you will see this, how, are we that, how could we live and continue in the same lifestyle that we lived before, continuing in sin when... And this is the idea, and we're going to get to it. We're skipping right to the end. That guy's dead. That's that's the passage. That's what he's getting at. We're going to look at this. He would say this, theologically, the concept of this passage is theologically, you are dead. That's kind of fun. It's a nice, fun thought for this evening, right? Exciting. (laughs) This is what he says. Look, Look at this. He says, no, he not. That so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, we're buried with him in baptism into death. We say this when we baptize somebody. He says that, like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. He says, for if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, the same idea here, noting again that we'll raise again in resurrection. He says, knowing this, what does he say? That the old man is crucified with him. That the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. And here's what he's talking about. That the idea that salvation being bought by the blood and the death of Christ, that he had to die to to pay the penalty of sin, uh, that if you've had a time where you called upon Jesus to be saved... Uh, He says this, and we could go into all these scriptures, that you've been born again. Your reconciliation to God came with uh, a future eternal life, this eternal life that would exist forever, that starts now and never ends. But he would say this, that it also comes with the death of the old you. In Corinthians, he would say it this way, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. It's sure like new, is what he's saying. This concept, this idea of salvation that we would call out to Jesus Christ, that he would save us from our sin, and that we would be born again. We'd be quickened. He said that which was dead would be made alive, that we would get eternal life. I mean, what an amazing thing, and the concept. Uh, if, if you don't understand eternal security, maybe this even concept won't make sense to you because you don't get eternal life at some point in the future. You with me? If you call out to, If you're saved, you have eternal life. That eternal life has already been quickened. There's an aspect of your eternal being that now will never die. It's already there. And he says, but this also comes with the signification that the old you is dead. Condemned. It is an interesting thought when we think about this. If you are not saved here, you're going to be you. the, The you that ain't great. You with me? The you that's ostracized from God, that makes mistakes, that is jealous and bitter, that so often messes up, that hurts people, that hurts yourself, you're going to be that person forever. Isn't that an interesting thought? That's who you'll be in hell. Nobody in hell gets redemption of their body and their mind and their soul and is perfect and wonderful in hell. In hell, you're this person forever. Forever. And the spiritual life, what you could have been, the eternal life of a glorified body in peace with God and reconciliation to Him that you could have had in heaven, that doesn't exist. But if you accept Him, that guy that would have existed in hell, He ain't gonna. You don't have to be excited. That's fine, right? It's not that exciting. It's just eternity. It's no big deal. But that guy that has ruined everything in your life. That person that, you, that you've looked at in the mirror, that has brought you to a place where you needed salvation, that you earned an eternity in hell, that's hurts you, that hurts others around you, that have messed up in sin, that you bear guilt and shame from, that guy's going to be no more. It's not excited, it's going fine. <laughs> it's pretty exciting to me, I don't know whatever. And in Romans chapter 6, Paul would say this very, the very picture of baptism, of identifying with Christ, is about the death of that old and the eternal life of the new. Uh, in other words, when you're baptized, you're publicly identifying yourself with His death, burial, and resurrection, signifying that you too have died with Him and are alive in an entirely new way. This symbolism of this spiritual picture the death of the old, and the new eternal spiritual life. And Paul is saying throughout Romans chapter 6, he says, do you not understand? In other words, know ye not <laughs> your dead," is his idea. That you, the you that you've always known, you with me, that, that person that we've already noted, the person, the man and woman that wet themselves in the third grade, that, you with me? The person that maybe in high school, got some self-tanner, had to go to school orange for a week. You know what I'm talking about? That person. That weird, I mean, that person. The, more importantly than the silly stuff, the person that has messed up and offended God and hurt people, the you that's constantly been your own worst enemy, that guy's dead, is what Paul says. And Paul says, we have to understand this theological truth. We have to contemplate its reality that we're already dead. In other words, there's no going back. The eternity that's already set, if you've called upon Him, the eternity that's already settled in heaven has nothing to do with the you that was before Christ. Isn't that weird? Eternity will have nothing to do with your career or your possessions, your offenses what happened to you, your failures, all of that is dead. It's not going to be there. Not that you're not going to be you, but all of the stuff that you before Christ make and produce and be and the mistakes and the failures, all of that will be gone. And he says this, How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein. He says, how can we continue as if we're alive if we're dead? That's the concept here. So he says, you've been saved, you've been redeemed, you have the grace of God, it's washed over you, it's re- uh, the, the blood of Christ has covered you, you've been justified, that there's no sin you could ever commit that would take that away, that would mar your standing with God for eternity. And he said, but that's not a license to continue in sin if you understand that you're dead. If you're dead, how, how could you still be walking around making a mess? It doesn't make any sense. I have this problem in my life where my wife will buy me new clothes and I don't wear them. I don't know if anybody else has this problem. Probably not for the reason that I have it. She'll buy a new shirt because the old one is, if you, for lack of better words, dead. <laughs> if you're with me here, following. But I, I often refuse to wear it. I'll have a brand new shirt sitting in my closet and I'll break out the old, faded, stained, stretched out, dead shirt. You know which one I'm talking about? <laughs> Most of the ones you see me in, that's that. And I, I do this because I think, well, first of all, it's, it's easier to just do what you've always done. It's way easier. You get a new shirt, you go, what tie does this, I have no idea if this matches, and if it does, I don't know why. No clue. Yeah, you got a dark blue and orange, of course. I don't know. I would put a blue tie on, and Ashley would go, of course a blue tie doesn't match with a blue shirt, are you crazy? And I don't under, doesn't match. We're, we're not, that's not helpful for us right now. But <laughs> the idea is I, I'll get these new, this new shirt, and it's just easier to put on the old one, the one that's already worn in. You know, what, you know what's great about it? I don't have to worry about it. I put it on, and if I spill spaghetti on it, who cares? Didn't look good before? Whatever. I don't want to put the new one on because I'm going to mess it up. I don't know what matches. I'm not used to it. I got to worry about it during the day. You know, I feel like I'm gonna destroy it. Just throw on the old one. I know how it fits. I know what it matches with. If I destroy it, who cares? And my wife goes, I threw it in the garbage. How'd you get it? (laughs) Why? (laughs) I got the new shirt. If you wait six years, then the new shirt's an old shirt, then what, I don't, (laughs) doesn't make any sense. Put on the new shirt. (laughs) And Paul is saying this, the same thing my wife would say to me. Why would you do that? Why would you have a new shirt that is nice, it's way better, and go and dig through the trash to get the old, stinky, disgusting shirt out and wear that? Why would you do that? You've got a new one. You don't have to. What's the reason for that? God would say to us about our lives, he would say, listen, I threw that in the garbage yesterday. I poured chicken fat on it. Why do I see you wearing it today? Doesn't make any sense. Why would you put that disgusting thing back on? You have a new one. Doesn't make any sense. And in that same way, we would say, how and why would we continue to live in this flesh, in ourselves in sin, letting our lust and our sin and our selfishness drive us when that guy's already dead? Why would we do that? Paul's going beyond the concept that this is just offensive to God. He says it's just ridiculous. That's not who's alive anymore. they are no more. It's ridiculous for us that we would live a life of selfish, fleshly, carnal lusts, a life of me, 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 And then we would be redeemed from that life. That God would allow us to to die and he'd make us a new person to live forevermore. And then we would just continue to live as the dead man. Why? Why would we do that? How, he says. How, How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? God's given you a new, amazing spiritual life where he's gifted you to serve him, to bear eternal fruit for his kingdom by serving others. And so often we go, no, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. It's way easier just to throw the old shirt on, keep with status quo. And we do this, and we, we understand this. We understand that old things are passed away, and behold, all things are supposed to become new. And we're supposed to be uh, totally different and live for Him, live with the understanding that our current life is what eternity is going to be, not what has already been that's been put to death. We're supposed to live that way, and yet we live the same. And then we come to God, and this is what's amazing. We come to God, and we come to church, and we go... God, I feel unfulfilled. What's the problem? And he goes, you're wearing an old stinky shirt. You're you're not going to look great. It's not what's supposed to be. And so Paul would say this, and this is where he gets to, and I'm, I'm, I'm really getting to the point here. I want to be time conscious. He would say in verse 11, Likewise, reckon ye yourselves to be dead. Consider yourself dead unto sin, but alive (laughs) unto God. Can I just say this? Can we just get to the point? My problem in my life, and your problem in your life, is not our job, it's not wealth inequality. My problem's never my wife, it's not my children, it's not my health. I tell you, my problem is not the five to seven pounds I need to lose. Or 10 or 15, it don't matter. It's not the Democrats, it's not the Republicans, it's not the Millennials or Generation W or whatever's here. I just said that, I think, today already. It's not my church. My problem's not my church. You with me? If I'm unsatisfied and unfulfilled and my spiritual life is lacking and I just feel, feel like I'm in this old stinky shirt, it's not my church that's the problem. It's not my pastor. It's not that person that offended me. It's not that program or that idea I don't like. We think our problems and the, the, and the things that are holding us back from abundant spiritual living are external circumstances that God needs to fix. But all of our spiritual problems. And I, and I, I wish we could cont- really understand, and I wish we could uh, just internalize really how much that is all. Of our spiritual problems. Everything that is keeping you and I from living the life of spiritual blessing and fruit and usefulness and abundance in Christ. All of the problem is that you're not dead. All of it. None of your spiritual problems are somebody else. None of them. And Paul says the answer is what I need to do with my problem and my lack of prayer life and my lack of usefulness and the fact that I feel unfulfilled here and I don't have joy and I don't have peace and I'm not serving God and I just feel uh, bitter and angry and i got all these issues. He says your problem is you need to kill you. That's your problem. Now he's not speaking physically. None of this is suicidal. Don't misunderstand that. But Paul would say it this way, I protest by your rejoicing which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die daily. In other words, Paul says every day I have to get up and the the most important thing I need to do every single day to make sure that things don't go awry is kill myself. You with me? Once again, knowing and understanding he's speaking spiritually. Man, there's so much more in Christ than there is in you and I. If we'll put me to death, man, he says you'll understand life. Paul says this, I'm crucified with Christ. I mean, a concept right there. And if, if you're not a Christian, you don't understand what this means. This might sound like the worst thing in the world that Paul would say. My life is as if I'm crucified with him. All of what I was, my personality, my being, my hopes and my dreams and my possessions, all of that is gone. It's burnt up. It's going to be no more. He says, it's as if I've been crucified with him. And everybody that doesn't understand the Lord would say, that sounds horrible. And he would say, no, no, you don't understand. Nevertheless, I live. He could say it even further. Before I really was dead. But now I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. He says, the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And Paul's comments would be, in other words, my physical life is now characterized by my new spiritual life. The old guy is no more. Listen, can you imagine who Paul was? This old Paul that was proud and heartless, This was a man that would murder Christian families if he thought he would elevate his spirituality an inch. If he thought he could position himself in the Jewish community a little higher, he'd go murder some believers. That's how arrogant and and horrible and wicked a man he was. He says, That guy's dead. He's no more. Spiritual living. Is about the things that matter spiritually. Can I just ask you this? Do you feel like you've been good for you? If we look back on our lives and and especially the times before we knew the Lord, do we feel like we've been good to us, man? I and I think we all have the same understanding. I was my worst enemy. I mean, no questions asked. Nobody has hurt me worse than me. Can I tell you what? People have hurt me in my life. And none of them have even come close to doing as much damage as I've done to myself. You with me? We get, I mean, we get up up in arms if somebody offends us. Somebody said something. I've ruined my life 500 times. I'd be upset because somebody said something to me. I'm going to love me and raise me up and put me on a pedestal and try to serve me and worship me as an idol. And if you say one comment to me negative, I'm going to hate you forever. When I've done nothing but hurt myself and ruin my life and tear me down. And, I mean, nothing I've ever done has been good for me. And yet I love me and hate you if you dare criticize me. I mean, that's us. We haven't been good for me. What... What are we holding on to? Why do we keep putting the old shirt back on? God's given us a new one. He's he's thrown the old one in the trash. It's already slated for destruction. Its days are numbered and it will be no more. And yet we keep digging through the garbage to put the old one back on. Why? Because it's easier. It's comfortable. Because we don't know how it matches now. Because when we think about the idea, and this is what we've been talking about, this idea of forget you, this new life in God is about using our life to glorify Him for eternal purposes and taking our lives into investing in others. And we think, how could that ever be helpful for me? How could that ever satisfy me? I mean, even especially as you talk maybe to a lost person and you say, Men, you ought to come to church, and they go, "Why? Why go to church? What do you go to church for?" Men will worship the Lord. And they go, "What's that?" Well, you go and you extol God's virtues to him. You tell him how amazing He is, and we sing of His praises, and, and we talk about how amazing He is. And they go, "That sounds like a blast." Is there any lost person that listens to that and goes, "That man, that sounds amazing." Yeah. No. When you think about that, you. There's no way the natural, the old man would think about that and think, man, that's really going to be fulfilling. And they go, what do you do? Well, I take 10% of my income that I could use to buy all kinds of things, and I give it to the Lord. Amen. Man, it's awesome. And they go, yeah, it sounds awesome. And they go, but not just that. There's these people that come through occasionally, and they talk about foreign fields. And I don't know what they're doing over there. They've got nice pictures, but what, we give them some money, too. Amen. It's great. How is that great? And then I don't just do that, but I look for opportunities and maybe on Sunday mornings I teach or or maybe on Saturdays I go out and visit, but I take my life and I invest it into people and you know what? They never say thank you. It's amazing. <laughs> people go, what? How is this good? <laughs> And you go, where I did hoard all of the things and, and try to achieve my dreams, and all my focus is about fulfilling my lusts and my passions and my desires, and I was miserable beyond belief, now all I do is pour my life out for others and for the Lord, and I've never been happier. And yet so often we do just what Paul says don't do. We go digging through the garbage and we go, maybe it wasn't so bad. I kind of like this old shirt. It's comfortable. It's comfortable. We put it on and we're stinky and nasty. We hate ourselves. We go, man, I look disgusting. And then we go, God, why am I miserable? And he goes, I just... I tried to kill him. I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> so often we stop at Romans 5 and just simply to continue to live for ourselves, working on our goals, feeding our lusts, looking for a church that will serve us and cater to us. We get offended easily. And man, it would be a miracle if we ever did anything for anybody else without looking for a standing ovation. And then we wonder why the Christian life doesn't seem right. Why it doesn't work. Because you get up every day and you put on the wrong shirt. That was supposed to be long gone by now. And Paul says this, forget you. Put you to death. Start living the new life in the Spirit. You're supposed to be dead. Reckon yourselves dead unto sin, but alive unto God. Can I tell you what? And once again, I I wish, if you don't know the Lord, I don't know how I can make it make sense to you. But there was a time where I did everything to serve me. And if you get on social media, that's everything. Just make you happy. I did my best. I really did. My whole life. You know a time in my life was about making me happy, doing whatever I wanted and I did whatever I wanted. And I was never more miserable in all of my existence. I couldn't imagine a more miserable existence. Man, can I just can I just convince you believer? Kill the old guy. There's nothing good in there. There's nothing for you back there. He's got maybe a few years, maybe a few days. You don't know. And it'll be over. This little lingering piece of flesh that's the only part of him that continues will die and will never be remembered again. And you'll continue as the spiritual forevermore. Why not live there now? Why not lay up for yourself treasures there now? Why not serve him now because you're going to serve him forever anyway? Why not invest in others in a way that in which when you're in, in heaven for eternity, you remember that cup of cool water, that gospel given, that soul that was brought to him. Who, who's going to care if I was five to seven pounds lighter in heaven? What difference will it make? I look in the mirror and I try to get my eyebrows just right for this new season of eyebrowing. Whatever. So I've got to be different every year for some reason. Now they've got to be on fleek or whatever. I don't know. Is that the word? I don't know. I do that. I got to look just right. The new pants—they got to be tapered, not tapered for these shoes. Or who cares? I got to get this new toy and this new thing and this new situation and spend my money here and invest in here. Man, I've got to set up my retirement because who? I'm not saying don't be wise. I'm not saying don't enjoy what God's provided. We ought to, and we're going to get to that. But in eternity, who cares? That's death. That guy's done with. Why don't we live unto God? Why don't we live the life he's given us? Can you imagine? And we're talking about life, and I'm going to quit here in just a second. But if we were to even just talk about a shirt, imagine God got you a new shirt. What a silly thought, really. <laughs> and you didn't wear it. I mean, that even that would be offensive. <laughs> that would be offensive to God. And yet, God he didn't get a shirt. He gave you a new life. And we keep putting the old one on. Ridiculous is what Paul says. Reckon yourself dead. Can I tell you what you can't do? Is reckon yourself dead and then be offended about every little thing. That's not how it goes. You know what? A dead guy can't be too busy to serve the Lord. That don't work. You can't be dead and be embarrassed about Jesus Christ. It don't work. You can't be dead and be worried only about you. Dead people don't worry about themselves. Let's reckon ourselves dead, but alive unto him. Stand to our feet and bow our heads. Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm, I'm so thankful. And what a strange thought I'm, I must imagine it must sound like to say tonight. But Lord, I'm so thankful that I'm dead. I'm so thankful that you killed the old me. That I've been buried with you and yet will live with you for eternity. Lord, even the thought that I could have been who I was forever, burning in hell for an eternity, ostracized from you and yet having to know who I was and my wickedness and mistakes and failures forever. And Lord, now knowing that there come a day where I won't even remember that guy anymore. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for taking what was so despicable and wicked and disgusting and making it new. You didn't try to fix my life. You gave me a new one. Thank you, Lord. Might I be not so foolish as to dig through the trash to get it back out. Might we be alive unto you and dead to the old man. Lord, we're thankful and we ask you to maybe work even right now in our hearts. We love you and in Christ's name we pray. Amen.